Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Shelly. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Great. Enjoying the nice weather. I am so thankful that spring is upon us. Um, this week, we're talking with Eliza said all about relationships after having a baby. Oh, the ever-changing relationship after having a baby. Honestly, I think like having a baby can make or break your marriage your uh, relationship. Yeah. <laughs> it's like such a huge change. It is. It's a huge change. Mothers who were once like rub my back, rub my feet, like, it, you know, touch being their primary love language. All of a sudden it's like the bottom of the list. Like someone's mm-hmm. been all day. Don't touch me. Do the dishes. Yeah. Snapping <laughs> each other. You're both tired. You're overwhelmed. And sometimes right. that doesn't work out well. So yep. that will be an interesting talk. But first, let's do our favorite of the week. Very good. What you got? My favorite is my cruise trip because so far is my favorite experience <gasps> of the year. <gasps> yep. Yay. So I took my mom and my sister on a cruise <laughs> to the Caribbean. Was we, it amazing? It was. And so we sailed on the Norwegian cruise line, which has the Haven, which is like the rich people part of the ship where you get like your private pool deck and um, private restaurant and private bar and um, all that stuff. So I won an upgrade to that. So that's how we were able to get in there. And now I don't know if I'll ever be able to cruise without paying for (laughs) like whatever we wanted. Like they're like your butler will bring you whatever you want. So I'm like, let me test that one 30 in the morning. Can you bring me some shrimp cocktail? And they did. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. So I still think I need to take like one more cruise to see if I'm actually a cruise person, because it was kind of hard. Like I mean, we did a lot of ports, but still like a more like a hike all day kind of person. So, so much food and drinking, (laughs) like so so much, like that's all I did all day to the point where I've been back for two weeks now. And I still like my appetite still hasn't figured itself out because it's just so used to eating all day. So I'm like, wait a minute, am I actually hungry? Am I just used to eating at this point? Right. Oh, that's awesome. So happy for you though. What was your favorite of the week? Well, not quite as exciting when it's gray root cover up, (laughs) (laughs) but just as necessary. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Especially if you're going to go on a cruise style, edit root, touch up binding powder for precise gray root coverage. And I saw it on an Instagram. Someone was saying, and oh, I don't even know who it might've been a real, I don't even know. But people, women were like, that stuff is the bomb. And I am really a person who obviously has a lot of gray and needs to be touched up frequently. So I am thrilled to save money going to the hairdresser a little bit less because it's expensive. Mm. And it's so a powder? It, yeah, it's a powder. Oh, so like you just dust it in your hair? Yeah. So what you do is you're, all right, I'll read it to you. You remove the base, reveal the sponge applicator. You use the sponge, you do a small amount of binding powder over gray roots, starting from scalp work. Yeah. I mean, it's, it literally is a powder and it works. And it's like a powder, like matched to your hair color. Yep. Awesome. So just great to have when you need something. 
Yeah, because I'm getting a lot more grays and I find that my grays break easily. And now I'm like, is that why like most older women have shorter and shorter hair because their hair just like breaks off? Yeah, I think that's part of it. And they probably don't want to spend the time. It's harder for them, you know, the time, but yeah, it definitely does break. Oh, aging (laughs) is so fun. So much. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. All right, let's do our question of the week. Yeah. So this week's question was submitted through Instagram. And the question is, how do I prepare for breastfeeding while I'm still pregnant? What Uh, would you suggest? Ah, I mean, she breasts, I would want to know more. Did she breastfeed her first baby? Is she looking for? She didn't say, so we'll assume it's her first baby. So I would assume like a breastfeeding class, right? Yeah. That's what I would say. Like if it were first baby, well, it says while pregnant, how would I prepare for it? I would say, you know, find a good breastfeeding class, um, Mm -hmm. find some breastfeeding groups online, start talking the last questions. Mm -hmm. Um, you could potentially talk to an IBCLC, you know, just to let them know that you get on the radar because it's Mm -hmm. never a bad idea to have a home visit those first few days being home. Right. Knowing you've got support already lined up. Mm -hmm. And even having like a prenatal consult too, because they can, you know, IBCLCs can screen you for risk factors for low milk supply. And depending if you have any, like set you up in a plan to maximize your milk production. Yep. And lots of good books. I really like um, Breastfeeding Made Simple. Yep. I believe it's called. That's a nice, quick, easy read. That's not too overwhelming. Yep. Yeah. But I do find that everyone goes to childbirth ed classes, but the breastfeeding class, not so many people go to because we're kind of presented with the idea in this culture that it's natural. So it should just happen naturally. But if you're not prepared, like just with childbirth, if you go in having, you know, a basic understanding of how things work, your chances of success increase dramatically. Right. Totally. And that was a great question. And if you have questions that you'd like us to answer on the podcast, you can DM them to me on Instagram. I'm at Shelly Taft, IBCLC. Very good. And next up, we are talking with Eliza. Very good. I'm so excited this week to be talking with Eliza Saeed. She is a birth doula and a marriage coach and educator, and she is host of the new mama marriage bliss show. And she's here to talk to us about relationships after a baby. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am, I like to say a grateful wife and a proud mama of five. I'm also a podcast host. And I work really hard with couples and with mamas to bring more love and connection to this world. Um, I originally was an educator and I always knew that a day would come where I would work with families and really be able to bring that love and connection to this world. And since the birth of my first baby, I knew that one day I would also be a birth doula because it was one of the most empowering and beautiful experiences that I had. Mm-hmm. I miss it very much. I used to be a birth doula too. And it is amazing. It's like every time you help out at a birth, you get like that birth high that you ride for like three or four days. I do miss it a lot. Are you still doing births? So I just had my own little baby three months ago. Oh, congratulations. Um, Yeah, thank you. So I'm on a break a little bit now. Mm -hmm. Probably it'll take me a few good months until I go back because right now my job is to be a nursing mama. Sure. (laughs) And how many kids do you have? 
I have five kids. Wow. My oldest is almost nine and my youngest is three months old. So you were really like the expert. Stop making more ways. You're like living it, not just teaching it. Oh no, I I definitely live the motherhood, birthing, (laughs) marriage thing. It's it's my life. (laughs) I also had very different birth experiences. I've had hospital births. I've had a home birth. I've had a water birth. I've had a. I birthed in two different countries. You know, I've like I I have it. (laughs) Yeah, I had a hospital birth and two home births, and I always say like it's not for everybody. But I would not give birth in a hospital again unless I really needed to for a medical reason because it was just completely different, everything completely different and better when I had the home birth. Absolutely. So I had my fourth at home. And then my fifth, I couldn't have it at home because of technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the birth, I was like, it was beautiful. I was able to create my birthing bubble with my doula and my husband and everything. But mm-hmm. please next time, you know, when <laughs> there will be a next time only at home. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. And to those out there, if you are giving birth in a hospital, hire a doula. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. The truth is, when I learned to be a doula, we really learned that it's not about your outside settings. It's about what kind of bubble you create for your birthing experience. So even Mm -hmm. in a hospital, and I did experience that, if I wouldn't have experienced a home birth, I would have thought that this hospital birth was like the best thing absolutely that could ever happen. And even in a hospital setting, you could completely create that setting with a really great team with you, Mm -hmm. if you know that ahead of time. Yeah. 100% agree. So we're here to talk about relationships after baby arrives, which I think is so important because I know, and I've read before in the past that having a baby can throw your relationship for a loop. Why do you think that is? Hmm. Well, yeah, you're right. You've read. And I think that Gottman say that around 80% of couples say that after the birth of especially the first child, then they experience some kind of crisis in their marriage, or at least they're less satisfied than what they were before. And why do I think that is? There are so many reasons that go into it. I mean, everything, somebody asked me once, well, what changes after you have a baby? And I asked them, well, what doesn't change after you have a baby? Like everything about us changes, right? We are, the way we perceive ourselves, our body, our schedules change, the way that we sleep changes, the way that I eat, every single thing that I'm doing in my life changes. So the dynamics with myself change and the dynamics with everyone around me change as well. And it seems that we have less of everything. It seems that we have less time. It seems that we have less energy. It seems that we have less inner power because we're just so overwhelmed with everything else. And then I don't have any time or power inside of me to also now start working on my marriage. Like there's no time for that. My whole body, my whole self, my whole soul is invested in this little being that I'm taking care of. And a lot of times a relationship gets put on the back burner because of that, because we have just so much resources that we can put into everything. So usually the marriage gets put in the back seat because the baby needs me to survive and, you know, my relationship will be okay. But the truth is it won't be okay. And it also needs us to survive. So we need to really bring this up more and really talk about it more. And when I started talking about it, I found that mothers had a really hard time talking about it. Like they felt a little guilty because, yeah, but it's my time to be with my baby. And right, it is your time to be with your baby. But I can't put my relationship and say, hold on, I'll take a break for a year and then we'll come back and it'll all be okay. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't mean that my relationship has to stay the same way. It doesn't mean that maybe for a year we won't be going out on date nights outside of the house. 
But it does mean that we have to, you know, really think about how we are intentionally working on our relationship all the time, whatever season of life we're at. So it sounds like it just boils down to a lack of resources. A lack of resources. Also, a lot of new dynamics, identity. Our identity seems like it completely changed. Many women go through um, maternity leave and then they they don't know what they want to do. Do I want to go back to work? Do I not want to go back, back to work? Do I want to stay home? Do I? And that really all stems from this place of, wait a minute, who am I? Am I just a mother? What else do I have for me? It's not, you know, then they ask lots of questions about themselves. And when I'm asking questions about myself, then who I was in the relationship before I had a baby might be somebody completely different. So yeah, it's also a lack of resources or what seems to be a lack of resources. Soon I'll tell you why it's not really a lack of resources. But and then also, you know, all different changes going on, trying to figure out my life again and a relationship is a big thing to figure out within that as well Mm -hmm. why it does it just seem like it because i say that look just like any hard thing in life it either makes or breaks our relationship right so a baby definitely is one of those it could be really challenging and it could either make or break your relationship and the difference is instead of seeing it as a lack or this scarcity mindset See it as an invitation to really perfect the art of connecting with your spouse, with your partner. Because what happens? Because we have less time, we have to really think about how we're using that time that we have together. Because we're going to have, I don't know, maybe we used to be able to go out for a whole night, maybe go from the afternoon, come back the next morning, and we had all the time that we could do whatever we wanted. Now we might have a babysitter for an hour and a half. So what are we going to do for this hour and a half? How are we going to really prioritize that time and make it something that's going to really bring connection and really elevate and uplift our relationship to a new level? With my clients, I use all different things such as five love languages. We really learn to, to really dive deep in, into connection and our habits in connection and really learn what our obstacles in connection between us are. And there are so many ways to communicate. Many times when we say communication, we think of just the way we talk. But really, we communicate in many, many different ways in life and with people, especially with our spouse. So really, there's so many different things that we could do, really small little tweaks to our lives that can really, instead of that scarcity of, oh no, how are we going to connect? All of a sudden, we see endless opportunities of ways to connect and it really can make our relationship, I say, thank God for every child that I had. It made us so much stronger, me personally and our relationship as well. Were there challenges? Oh yeah. (laughs) Were there times I thought we would break? Oh yeah. But when you know how to connect and to go back to refining those habits that you have together as a couple, so you can really transform your relationship. So to me, that sounds like this sounds great. And it also sounds like something that might take like a little practice and a little foresight going into having the baby, like maybe something that should be started prenatally, like working on communication skills, working on being open and talking with each other. Do you think like starting prenatally is more helpful? Absolutely. I One of the things that I do with all my birth doula clients is we have just one meeting that we talk about just the relationship, your relationship with yourself and your relationship with your partner after the baby. Like what's going to happen? And I kind of first burst their bubble <laughs> because we sometimes I see that couples have this like really romanticized view of what's going to happen after they have the baby. They're going to become this beautiful family sitting peacefully on the couch and like laughing at each other and not at each other, like laughing with each other. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, just cuddling up and it's all going to be so beautiful. And then really they get into this reality of like dripping and from who knows where and Mm -hmm. soggy everywhere and haven't slept in days and they don't even know like what they ate in the morning. Did they eat in the morning? Have they taken a shower? Like life is completely crazy. And they're like, wait, but where's that picture that I wanted us to be sitting nicely and, you know, have this beautiful romanticized life. So the first thing that we do is we understand that, yeah, it's going to be a challenge in the beginning, especially also those first few months. And look, I'm there right now, right? I'm three months postpartum. I'm going through it myself. Those few months, there's a different type of relationship we're going to have those months. And then we really make a plan of what's going to happen throughout those months for me, as much as we know, right? It could look completely different than what we planned before, but at least we're being aware And then we make a plan of, okay, what are your needs going to be here or what we think your needs are going to be? And how can that really feed into your relationship? And how can your spouse be there for you? How can you be there for your spouse? I like to think of a relationship as like a complete different person. Like Mm -hmm. I have my needs, my husband has his needs, and our relationship has its own needs. So we really look at those three different people, not people, I don't know even what to call it, these three different (laughs) entities that need us to to really invest in them and love them and nurture them so we really make a plan with for all three of these and it makes a huge difference i remember one of my clients called me i think she was like three weeks postpartum and she had a difficult birth and she called me and she's like i just want to thank you for that list that we made of things for us to do together in the home because that's one of the things we do when we plan We plan ways to connect inside the home. And for every person, it's going to be very different. She was like, I was having a really hard time and I couldn't even see like the light at the end of the tunnel. And one of the things that I tell my clients is to put it on their refrigerator, because if it's in a bookshelf somewhere, they're not going to look at it. But if it's Mm -hmm. on your refrigerator and it's right, you know, where you are all the time, she said, I saw that list. And then I was like, okay, let's just do one of these things tonight. And she's like, it was a huge difference in my mood and everything in our relationship. It was like a huge shift. And it's such a little thing to do. Like there's such little tweaks that we can make that make such a huge difference. Mm hmm. 100%. And I think even like you said, like even doing small things, like when I teach my newborn care class or my prenatal breastfeeding class, I'm always like, you know, one thing that you guys need to sit down and talk about before the baby arrives is what you're imagining overnight parenting to look like. Because if you're imagining that you're, you know, you're going to do teamwork and both get up and help, you know, change the baby's diaper and feed the baby. But one partner is thinking that they're not because maybe they're not the breastfeeding partner. So they are imagining that they're just going to be able to sleep through the night. You don't want to find out about those differences in plan the first night that you're home with the baby. Absolutely. You want to have that discussion beforehand and make sure you're on the same page. And I imagine that that has, that applies for a lot of things, like having those discussions beforehand, like, you know, what are our expectations going to be around not only nighttime parenting, but visitors and family members and things like that. Absolutely. And there are some expectations that we're aware of, and there are some that they're kind of in our subconscious. And then only when they play out, all of a sudden we realize, oh, wait a minute, I expected that to happen in that way. For example, this time I had an expectation that the first two weeks, I'm not washing dishes. Subconsciously, I just like had in my mind that I'm resting, I'm basking in my baby's beauty, beauty, you know, like I was just enjoying. And for my husband, after two weeks, he was like, 
whoa, what's going on with the dishes? Like it wasn't something that I consciously was doing and it was something that was subconscious. And at that moment we were like, okay, wait a minute. I have an expectation. You have an expectation. Let's sit down and talk about it. Instead of it being like, what's going on? How could you do that? I was like, I didn't realize. But in my head, that's what needed to happen. And that was my expectation. And in his head, it was something completely different. So then we could sit down and we could talk about it and understand what what really does that mean to me also? Because there's the surface level of things, but there's always something deeper underneath that surface of me not wanting to wash the dishes or him wanting to me wash, to wash the dishes. There's something deeper under that. So really finding that and then being able to meet our expectations, even when it wasn't something that we were aware of before. So it's so important, like you're saying, the things that we already know are going to maybe bring up a conflict, like who's going to wake up with the baby, who's going to come and visit, all those kind of things. And then when there are things that come up that we didn't think about, no panic. It's okay. Let's sit down and make another meeting of expectations and really be able to be on the same page again. And it sounds like it's nice that to have that, again, that practice of talking over the expectations that you can um, anticipate so that when something comes up that isn't anticipated or wasn't anticipated, um, you already have those skills in place to not kind of just fly off the handle because you're exhausted and sleep deprived and your nipples are sore or whatever. (laughs) And like stop and think to yourself like, okay, hang on. We've already practiced this skill and now we know what to do because we've done it before. Absolutely. And when we are deprived of all those things that you said, and our hormones are doing completely crazy acrobats inside of us. So sometimes we react in ways that we didn't want to react in. And sometimes we say things that we didn't want to say. But when it's a habit that I'm already doing, that will be more automatic for me to use those tools, just like you're saying. So really give ourselves the grace of being able to do it before all that happens. That really helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you see one particular, and you might not, but do you see one particular issue that you find commonly pops up for couples that you're seeing like over and over again, or is it just really depending on the family? I think it really depends on the family. I could say that there are like, you know, a few common ones that usually come up. One is usually communication. The other is usually finding quality time that they both want to be present with each other and to be able to do something together, because that's one of the things that's really hard for parents. Um, Those are the two that probably come up the most. Um, But it really depends on the family and what each mother is going through. You know, every child that's born, it it births a new mother as well. And, you know, even though I'm a mother of five, every time I had a baby, a new mother was born because there are new dynamics and there are new things going on. And every time it brings up different challenges. So it really depends. And I also want to say that to just say that any challenge is okay. And whatever is going on, there's no shame to it. Becoming a mother is a huge deal. And becoming a family is a huge deal. And we as a culture also need to know, I I feel like we have so much, I don't want to say sympathy, but we have so much compassion for pregnant women. And like, We know that they're, but then once they become a mom, they have to like bounce back. Don't even get me Mm -hmm. started on the bounce back. And they have to like go back to work after six weeks in some places and hold up, like, hold on. We just created life here. We just made a whole new world in this world. Like, let's give place for that and hold space for that. So whatever challenge is coming up, embrace it, embrace it and utilize it to grow from it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I completely agree about when the mom is pregnant, all the attention is on her, people asking her how she's doing. And then as soon as the baby's born, all the intention shifts to the baby. And usually there's like visitors for a couple of weeks, but then she's alone, 
you know, partner goes back to work and she's alone with this baby and no one's checking in. And that I imagine can feel isolating. At least for me, it did feel isolating and a little bit lonely. So I made the mistake of everything. I want to say there, sorry. I want to say there, you mentioned the mother and you mentioned the baby. And what we didn't mention is the partner. Because Mm -hmm. many times we also forget about him Mm -hmm. and he's also going through a lot. Many times we forget to see what what's going on there. So we also have to recognize that that's also a whole new world and a whole new dynamic. And, you know, there's postpartum depression for fathers as well, Mm -hmm. because they are also becoming a father and becoming a new into this new role. And we also have to be really aware and conscious. And yeah, maybe I didn't sleep as much as he did. But he's also running like this time I really felt it with my husband, like he's running around with the other kids and doing all the errands and doing so much. And how much do we really give them credit for everything that they're doing also Mm -hmm. in that crazy time? So we have to really be aware of everyone involved and also new siblings. I want to add that to the list of people that need to be acknowledged for this huge transformation. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Right. And one of the mistakes that I made with my first is as soon as her dad would get home from work, I was like, here's the baby. I need a break. And I would just like disappear. So he's just gotten home from work. He hasn't even had a chance to like take off his jacket and kind of like breathe and leave all his work stuff at the door before I'm bombarding him with like, I need you to do this and this and this and this. And it took me a while to realize that that wasn't very fair to either of us. Right. Absolutely. And you're both going through such different struggles throughout the day. And then when you meet and it just collides, it's kind of like this blow up. And usually it doesn't come with a lot of communication because here, take the baby because I need to just like feel myself. I need to like take a shower. I need to just not have somebody on me and I need to like go through whatever I'm going through. And he also needs to go through whatever he's going through. But it usually collides and like is a, you know, (laughs) a collision and not a connection. So if we learn the habits of connecting and maybe I'll say I learned to identify what my need is in that moment of passing the baby over this is my need right now do you think that you can maybe be able to help me with that now he might say yes and he might say no not right now and then I'm gonna find a different way to get that need that I need Mm -hmm. there's it's learning how to really identify what is underlying I might feel like I'm I actually just did an episode on anger Anger or any big feeling is just an alarm clock that I have a need that is not met. And when anger comes out or anger or overwhelm, usually mothers will explain it as overwhelm or just feeling like I can't do it anymore. It means that something is going on. And the first thing that I have to do is ask myself, where am I feeling that I have a need that is not that is not being met at this time? So maybe at that moment, I'll use you as an example here. Maybe at that moment, I'm feeling like I just need to feel like nobody is dependent on me. Mm -hmm. I just, I I don't know. I could ask you. I don't know if you want to open up here what your need was at that moment. But I would ask a client, what was your need at that moment? When you were passing your baby over, what were you feeling at that moment? And then maybe your husband could be the solution. But maybe there's a different solution at that moment also. And instead of us always thinking that he's going to pick up where, you know, we need to just let things loose, I could find a different solution. And then when we come together, it could be a connection. There are some partners that that's what, where they want to be there. They want to be there to take the baby and tell you, go take a shower. It's very dependent on the couple. But mm-hmm. the key is to really understand what is the underlying need that I have and that he has at that moment. And to be able to communicate it to it's like the bridge between our two needs so that we could really make it beneficial for both of us. Right. And for the family. Yeah. And in my situation, you know, I had figured out that I was just so touched out that I was like, I just don't want 
to hold this baby anymore. And the solution that we had after, because we didn't do it correctly, we didn't anticipate this, we fought about it. But then after we managed to sit down and talk about it and our compromise was when he gets home from work, I would give him like 30 to 45 minutes to just be home. (laughs) And then he would take the baby and I would go do whatever I needed to do. And what ended up happening was he actually needed less time than he thought to kind of unwind and shake off the workday because he felt so less pressured that I wasn't standing there as soon as he walked in with the baby and saying, here, take the baby. So when we said, okay, I'll give you at least a half hour before I ask you to take the baby. After a while, it was like 15 minutes. And he's like, I can take the baby now. And because it like, like you said, like he wants to hold the baby and spend time with the baby after he's been at work. He just didn't want it to be like, bam, right when he walked in the door. Bam. (laughs) Right. Maybe it was the pressure and maybe it was also being able to see his need. Like my need is that I need to just decompress a little bit. I can't stand with the pressure. I need that to be appreciated. And maybe once you appreciated that, even if he didn't need the time, he knew that you appreciated that. So the need was already met. Mm -hmm. Yep. I completely agree. Yeah. It's so important. On your Instagram, you talk about give to love. Hmm. Can you explain (laughs) what that means? Yes. I like to say that sometimes we think that the formula is when you love someone, then you will give. And I believe it's the other way, that when you give to someone, then you will love. Because love is really like a bonfire. When you ask many couples that separated or that got divorced what happened, many of them, I don't know to give you exact statistics. I'm really bad with numbers. That's why I never quote numbers. But I don't know to give you exact statistics. But many couples will tell you, They just fell out of love. They didn't love each other anymore. They grew in different ways. Their paths parted, you know, whatever, in whatever way they're going to say it. And what happens there? Love is like a bonfire. So what does that mean? A bonfire, we like to go out and like do outdoor cooking and we like making like... My kids know that if you want the, the fire to burn, you have to keep putting wood to the fire. And if you're not putting wood to the fire, it's going to die down. And it's the same thing with our love. Love is an emotion. Emotions, as Marshall Rosenberg says, emotion is in order to put us into motion. So an emotion can be in very different ways. Actually, according to the Jewish tradition, we sign a contract during the marriage ceremony. And it's kind of like really not romantic. Why do you do that? What's up with signing a contract? And the idea is that even when our emotions are low or even when our emotions are not exactly where they were in the beginning because sometimes we could wake up and not really feel so in love with our spouse but i am signing that i am committed to choose every day to love you and i am choosing all the time even if i'm not feeling it in my belly like i was in the beginning those butterflies jumping out i am committed to add more wood to that fire i am committed to put in that that all that needs to be put in in order to nurture this relationship And once you give, you will love because that's just what giving does. So if you switch it around, instead of saying, I'm so frustrated with my husband and he never does anything for me. I just had somebody who said this to me. He never does anything for me. He never spoils me. So I said to her, why don't you try it the opposite way? Also, this is something else that we need to understand. Nobody's in charge of our happiness. Mm -hmm. You're not happy. You think for yourself what you need to do for your happiness. No one's in charge of that. It's our sole responsibility. He can add to it. Absolutely. He can evolve it. Absolutely. But is he in charge of it? No. So I said to her, why don't you 
switch it and you try and do something to him. And he's like, she's like, no, there's no way he's not going to go with it. She did something really, really small. Again, it's in the simplicity, especially for moms. I say simplicity, simplicity. Don't look for like big, don't go on like a hot air balloon or anything. You know, you just need something really small. She did something small. And then she called me up the next week. She's like, you're never going to believe it. He did something for me, too, because what happens is once we add this this wood into the fire and I know it sounds so simple, but it really is. We don't need to complicate it. Once we add wood to this fire and we're starting to give and nurture and invest into this relationship, we're creating an atmosphere of this nurturing of the relationship. And then it becomes something that he's also going to want to be a part of. And he's also going to give. So instead of saying, nah, you know, I'm not so in love with him right now. I don't want to do for him. I'm not so in love with him. So I'm going to think of what I can do for him in order to get that fire burning again. Mm -hmm. And of course, I will say in parentheses, I'm not talking about an abusive relationship here. I'm talking about a healthy relationship that there's healthy dynamics usually. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love that idea. And I love the idea behind knowing your love languages. And you had brought up the five love languages earlier. And I have read that book. And for example, my husband's love language is, I forget what they call it technically in the book, but it's um, doing things for people. Acts of service. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. So, and it's just like little things like every morning he makes my coffee and he'll do my laundry for me and, and whatnot. Like just like little tiny things. Like if he sees that my phone is on low battery, he'll charge it for me. And I'll be like, where's my phone? He's like, oh, I plugged it in. Now that's not my love language. And before I read the book, I didn't realize like, I I was like, oh, he's being really nice, but I didn't realize like, no, this is how he's actually saying, I love you. Um, So I think I wish every couple would read that book. I do think it's an amazing book. (laughs) I so relate because my husband is also acts of service and I totally did not speak that language before (laughs) we were aware of this. So I, I completely relate. And also because like we said, parents have less time or less energy when you know what the other love language is or what your love language is, it's so easy to perfect that time and that energy that we have for each other to really use it in a way that's going to fill us up and not leave us empty. So mm-hmm. it's so important. Right. I think my love language is probably time, um, like time together, which quality you know, time. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and I'm working a lot and he works a lot and we have a whole bunch of kids. So it's not like we have a lot of time. So I always found myself getting like resentful and I'd say to him, like, before I understood the love languages thing, I'd be like, well, I think it's great that you make me coffee every morning, but that's not really what I want. And then we'd argue about it because he's like, I can't, you know, but once I understood that this is what he, he was saying, I love you by doing these, I appreciated them more. And then he made an effort too to like go out on dates more with me once he realized that that's how I feel loved. Right. And quality time, I'll just speak on it because you said of quality time. Sometimes it's really tricky for moms because where are they going to find quality time? And something that I like to say is that we have to bundle together our time. So what does that mean? It means that we have so many things on our to-do list anyways, right? We need to wash the dishes. We need to, if we're not two weeks postpartum, but (laughs) we need to wash the dishes. We need to fold the laundry. We need to take the kids to school. We need to, there's so many things on our list. And how do I put in another thing to our list? So instead of putting another thing into your list, couple it up with something else. So for example, me and my husband, before I had the baby, we couldn't find any overlapping time that really fit into our schedules to have quality time besides like 20 minutes in the morning. But by the time I would take all the kids to school and everything, it would be like not a lot of time. 
So he decided, I'll come with you. I'll be in the car with you. And he would come with me, even though he didn't need to. But he came with me in the car. And that was our time that we had together. And then we would drop the kids off. And we had that half hour time that it was our special time every day in order for us to be together. And you really have to be creative. And also, like, ditch perfectionism. It's okay Mm -hmm. if it's not going out to the restaurant and having a full-blown date. Just find that time of connection and bundle it up together with something else. We've had real, legit basketball tourneurs with coupling up socks with pairing socks together (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you could make many different things very fun and a bonding experience even if it's something that needs to be done anyways and then it also it's more fun to fold the laundry that way and it Mm -hmm. also gives us both of those things that we get to do together right I 100% agree I remember the best date quote unquote date this was when our kids were younger our kids are older now so we it's much easier to find time (laughs) because they're like they're 24, 23, 18, 17, 16, 15, and 11. So they're usually off doing their own thing. They don't need us around anymore. So it's much easier. But when they were, when they were younger, it was hard. So for a while, like grocery shopping was our time together. We'd leave the kid at home with the olders and we would just go grocery shopping together. And grocery shopping is, I hate grocery shopping. It's awful. Like I hate it so much, but doing it with him and doing it together was more fun. And we take our time. We get a Starbucks on the way there um, and just like meander up and down the aisles. And it was really fun. But the best date I ever had was like when the kids were younger, I was having such a rough week and we just didn't have physically didn't have time to like go out anywhere. But my husband ordered Chinese food and he laid it all out on our bedroom floor with candles. And while the kids ate in the other room, we had our like private date. And that was like the best thing ever. (laughs) Yeah, that's so nice. I actually have a list of 50 date nights at home that you can do because really sometimes it's the simple, simple things. We also did once, it's one of the ideas that I wrote on um, on the list, to have a karaoke night. And we set up the, the room like it was a car- like we were having this show going on and we had a karaoke night and, we, and you're, you could be as silly as you want because nobody else could see you and you could like, and it was so much fun. It was one of those nights that we remember. And it's really in the simplicity, but just finding and being intentful on connection. Mm-hmm. What tips do you have for couples when they get like in the moment? like how to calm themselves and remember their communication skills. Because, you know, when it's 2 a.m. and the baby's crying and this is, you know, speaking from personal experience, I'm feeling super resentful because he's snoring away and I'm the breastfeeding parent. So I'm the one with the sore nipples that has to get up and breastfeed. And I just remember feeling like so resentful and like kind of like nudging him and then pretending it was an accident because I'm like, (laughs) Because I'm very immature in my head. I'm like, if I can't sleep, you're not going to sleep either. And then we like bicker about it while I'm like feeding the bee. And it would have been nice. You know, I was very young when I had kids. So I was like 21 when my first was born. But it would have been nice to like have the resources or the knowledge of how to bring myself down, separate myself from that resentment at the time so that we didn't end up fighting at 2 a.m. in the morning or like saying, okay, I recognizing my feelings and I'm going to have to talk about this in the morning, but not falling into that trap of getting carried away with the emotions. What tips do you have for that? So the first thing I want to say is that you cannot go to sleep angry is a complete myth because it's okay. If you're going to sleep and you're kind of angry at your spouse, right? It's Mm -hmm. okay. 
I used to think that, no, we have to talk it out and I can't go to sleep until it's like completely resolved. And right now I'm feeling resentment. So I'll nudge you until you wake up and I'll tell you, listen, I'm feeling really angry right now. And like in that moment, I wanted to solve everything. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I want to say is take a deep breath and distance yourself from the situation. Don't try and solve things when you're in the midst of the anger and when you're in the midst of the resentment because you're not going to solve things. You're probably going to say things that later on you're going to have to solve those things that you said. It's not going to be the smart decision to do it in the moment. So take a deep breath. Some people have a hard time just distancing themselves from the situation because they want to. We have this fight and flight or freeze in this usually not freeze right now, but usually that fight or flight instinct that we want to right now go head on with whatever's going on. So for some clients, I we've even incorporated like just going to the kitchen and getting a cup of water and drinking a cup of water or have a bottle next to your bed. If you know that that's something that comes up a lot, just take a drink of water. Taking a drink of water, it, it, it forces you to slow down. And it forces you can't like gulp it down and be really angry. You have to it take if you need another cup, take another cup. Mm-hmm. There's all different techniques that we work on to really in the moment. But I'll just leave it here that in the moment, don't try and solve it. In the moment, that's not the time to start decompressing everything that you're feeling and, and trying to find a solution. It's not going to happen. So take a deep breath. Distance yourself. I had a night that I was really frustrated because I had been up that whole night. And I was like, if I look at him sleeping and I knew that he had to sleep because he was taking the kids in the morning to I was, if I see him, I'm going to feel so angry. And I went to go sleep in a different room because I just didn't want to be boiling up with anger. And that's OK. Distance yourself from the situation so that you could allow the anger to come through or allow the resentment or whatever else is coming up. And then you'll be able to really digest it and see what is that anger coming up to tell me? What in those moments do I need? Why am I getting so angry? What does it mean to me that he's sleeping and I'm taking the baby? What is underlying here that I need to solve? So take yourself away, allow yourself to go through whatever feelings you're going through. And then later you'll be able to digest it when you're not in the midst of the boiling up anger or resentment or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think it's really important to like kind of sit with that emotion without letting it overwhelm you. Like it's okay to feel anger. It's okay to feel resentment, but don't let it control you. Absolutely. Just like I said in my podcast episode about anger, it's kind of like last week had to take our car to the mechanic because we had this little light that turned on. And when we got to the mechanic, he said to us, you know, if you wouldn't have brought the car now or like today, your engine would have blown. Now, what is anger? Anger is this little light going on on our dashboard and it's saying, hello, there's something that needs fixing here. Hello, something is not working right now. You have some unmet need. If you turn that light off, your engine will still blow. If you try and box up your anger and say anger, don't come out or I'm not going to be angry. We're not allowed to. It's going to come out in a different way, usually in a way less beneficial way to anybody. So it's going to come out. It's coming to teach us something. So if we try and shove it away, it will come back in a different way. So we never want to suppress anger or any other feeling that's coming, as I said, to really put us into motion towards something. Yep, 100%. What is one thing that you want all parents to know about staying strong in their relationship after the baby's born? So it's hard to pick one thing. But the (laughs) one thing that I'm going to say is that marriage or relationships after children can be beautiful. They should be beautiful. They should be empowered. They should be connected. 
they can be should should is not such a great word because then it puts us into blame guilt and all that take the should away but it can be and it has the power to be a source of energy and not a energy sucker it has the power to really transform us and to fuse our lives with connection and love and if there's something that's not working seek help if there's something that's frustrating you that we didn't even talk about physical intimacy but that's also a whole nother thing that whether it's emotional intimacy physical intimacy whatever's going on in your life that's not working please seek help and let's change the culture around marriage let's change the culture around relationships why is it so acceptable that so many people are giving up on relationships relationships can be so beautiful and we just have to know how to use the right tools in order to make it that but don't give up it can be beautiful and it can really transform you and your partner and the world i believe that having a good relationship is the most powerful gift that we can give to our children there's nothing better that we can give to our children than them always seeing an example of a loving relationship knowing how to communicate knowing how to fall and then get back up and when we have a good relationship we are giving them a huge gift a huge security like a sound base we're giving them so much and i i just maybe that's the one thing i want everybody to know that it can be beautiful and i'm saying it from a place of knowing what it is to be in a really bad place and it's not like it was always beautiful and there were times that we didn't think we were going to get out of the really hard part that we were going through and that's why i want to say to wherever you are in your relationship wherever you are in your journey together it can be better so if it's not feeling great seek the resources, seek the help. And I always offer whenever I get onto different podcasts, I'm really, really happy to help whoever wants. Just DM me and we can bounce off ideas on whatever it is you're going through. And sometimes it's just, again, a little tweaking that needs to be done and it can change a lot. So I'm really happy. Whoever wants to, you know, feeling really frustrated, send me a DM and I'm, I'd be really happy to help in any way that I can. I love that. And know that you said it can be beautiful, not necessarily it can be the same, right? Because I think knowing that your relationship is going to change, knowing that, you know, if you go in what you said at earlier at the beginning, when you were like, well, we have this expectation that we're all going to be sitting on the couch and snuggling and loving on each other. And that doesn't happen for a lot of families, at least all as much as we picture it. But if you go in with the expectation that our relationship's not going to change, then I'm, I imagine it's harder to write out the hard spots versus going in saying, okay, our relationship's going to be look, looking very different, but it's going to be just as beautiful. Or even more. I mm -hmm. mean, who wants to stay the same as they were when they were young, right? We always yeah. want to be changing. We want to be able to be evolving. I just had a friend who said to me that she's going through a hard patch in her own relationship and she said it's really hard for her to go and see a wedding she doesn't want to go to a wedding because it brings up really bad feelings because she thinks about what was and she wants to go back to that and then we were talking about it and i said to her you don't want to go back to that you've gone through so much together you've built up so much together you want to get way past that you don't want to go back to what was you want to keep evolving and becoming someone else do i want to go back to who i was before having a children no, they turned me into somebody totally different. Would I like my body to look different? Would I like my, you know, things to go back like they were? Maybe there are some things that I would like them to be similar, but I don't want to be that person before. I don't want my relationship to be what it was before. 
because we went through so much and we just have to evolve. So instead of thinking of the bouncing back or the I wish it was like in the beginning, Mm -hmm. let's just evolve from there. Let's deepen our love. Let's bring those butterflies, but with a deeper love than what was before. Love it. 100 percent. Where can parents find you and connect with you and what do you offer parents? Sure. So you could find me either at my website, alizasaeed.com. You could find me on Instagram at mama.marriage.coach. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, Aliza Saeed. And I offer right now one-on-one coaching that I work with moms usually for three months. And we really work hard on, like I said before, like working on our communication habits and learning how to connect again with myself and with my husband, even in the messiness of motherhood. So you can get in touch with me in any of those ways. And I also have my podcast, um, The New Mama Marriage Bliss Show. And you have that free 50 date ideas to do at home. Right, right? absolutely. I'll send you the link. Yeah, I'll link to that too in the show night. Thank you so much. This was such an important topic. I love what you have to say. I think you're doing some awesome work out there. And I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of our listeners. Thank you so much. I hope I was able to help someone. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaffIBCLC.com, where you can check out our online parenting community, The Baby Bistro. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaffIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.